from the screen here. Our text this morning is Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. A good father we're talking about this morning. Please stand with me out of honor to God and his word as I read Matthew 7, beginning in verse 9. Jesus speaking says, Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Thank you. You may be seated. It is Father's Day, and because I'm a father, I feel like I can tell whatever joke I want, so this may offend you, uh, but I like it. So two people were talking. One said to the other, look at that teenager over there with the short hair and the blue jeans. Is that a boy or a girl? She's a girl, the other said. She's my daughter. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. I didn't realize you were her father. The person says, I'm not. I'm her mother. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Well, they're asleep in the early service. Of all the great things that men have done, are doing, and will do, None is greater than being a good father. There is no assignment given to men that is more important and more necessary than fatherhood. But sadly, fatherhood is one of the most unattended, overlooked, and underestimated tasks in our society today. We need to learn what makes a good father. And so that's what I want to do taking this text here this morning, seeing, first of all, father as provider. Father as provider. Now, Jesus mentioned a child asking for bread and fish. Now, this would be just the standard fare for the day. If you uh, had one meal a day back in that time and you got a piece of bread and a piece of fish, you were doing really well. And so this is standard. This is not extraordinary. Uh, This is not substandard. It's just what was expected. And so Jesus mentioned this child asking his father for bread and fish. And we learn from that that one of a father's responsibility is to provide for his family and providing particularly for physical necessities like clothes and food and shelter. So often at funerals, we hear somebody talking about a deceased father and they'll say, well, he was a good provider. He was a good provider. And that's what fathers are supposed to do. It's good that he was a good provider. Now, don't think I don't understand Fathers, we share this responsibility with mothers, helping to meet the physical necessities of our families. But not only does a father meet the physical necessities, but also the emotional necessities of our families, our children. Love in particular. Children need to hear that we love them. And children need to know that we are proud of their success. Now, men in general and dads in particular aren't really good at this. When a child, especially a younger child, accomplishes something that they're real proud of, you know, and we as men, we think, I could do that. I could do that better. Or they do something and we say, well, I taught her how to do it. I mean, it only makes sense that she would do this. Instead of heaping praise on them and acknowledging their success, men in general and dads in particular aren't good at that. But this is also something that we share this responsibility with mothers as well. And so as we meet the physical necessities of our children, as we meet the emotional necessities of our children, but I want you to see a third way that we are to meet their necessities, and that's their spiritual necessities. 
For having the best of all earth has to offer without Jesus is a big waste. We can meet a child's every need and desire, yet miss what is needed most, a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And God has specifically given this responsibility to fathers. Yes, fathers share in the physical with the mother. Fathers share in the emotional with the mother. But when it comes to spiritual necessities, God gives this responsibility specifically to fathers. Paul writes this in Ephesians 6, 4. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, I want us to look at some of the words used in this verse here. First of all, the word provoke. That word in the Greek means to irritate beyond measure. It says, fathers, do not irritate beyond measure. By the way, dads, we're really good at this too. (laughs) We're good at this with our children, irritating them, and we're good at this with our wives and with everybody else, let's be honest, okay? But the Bible says, do not provoke your children, irritate them beyond measure. Instead, it says to bring them up. To bring up in the Greek means to nourish fully. And then it mentions to nurture. That word nurture means to instruct and to discipline. And finally, to admonish. That admonition there towards the end. Admonish means to provide instruction and warning. So this is a responsibility that is specifically given to fathers. But let me say this. We are grateful for mothers who have done what fathers will not. Because when it comes to meeting the physical needs, and even sometimes the emotional needs of children. Fathers will do that. But so often when it comes to meeting the spiritual needs, they say, you know what, that's really a lady's job. That's really, you know, Sunday school teachers, they're all women, and and, uh, that's just, that's what women do. Not according to the Bible. This This is what fathers are commanded to do. But we are grateful mothers for mothers who have done what fathers will not. You see, God holds the father responsible for spiritual leadership in the home. Whether he likes it or not, whether he believes it or not, God holds him responsible. Just like that old joke, we need to give our kids a drug problem. I heard a preacher one time, he said, you know, I was raised in a a Christian family, but we had a drug problem. And the drug problem, you've heard this, my parents drug us to church on Sunday. They drug us to Sunday school. They drug us to youth group. Give your kids a drug problem. It's your responsibility, Dad. But I just heard something yesterday, and I want to clarify this. Give them a drug problem. Don't give them a drag problem. There are so-called Christian churches in our area who are hosting drag me to church festivals. Now, what it is, as Christian churches, so-called Christian churches, what they do is they have all the children come and they have all the adults there dressed in drag and they attempt to acclimate children to teach them that this is normal behavior. So give your children a drug problem. Do not give your children a drag problem. One is righteous and holy and good. The other could not be more perverse. But fathers... We need to provide the physical, emotional, and spiritual necessities of our children. And we have a good example because God, our Father, provides everything we need to make it in this life and the life to come. He provides everything we need physically. Just a page or two back in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 31, Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. The Father knows you need all these things. But he says in verse 33, but you seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. And so he makes sure we have what we need physically. 
He makes sure what we, that we have what we need emotionally. We know that we're loved. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It even meets everything we need spiritually. As Jesus would say in Luke chapter 11 and verse 13, he says, How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask him? And so we see Father as provider. Secondly, though, I want us to look at Father as sinner. Father as sinner. We all make mistakes. You may very well be the perfect Father, but you're far from perfect. Notice what Jesus calls earthly fathers here in verse 11. He calls them evil. That word there in the Greek means sinner. He said, if you, being a sinner, know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your father give to you? And this doesn't only apply to sinners. Us fathers are sinners. But this applies to all people. All people are sinners. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You say, well, I'm not sure, Brother Gary, if I'm a sinner or not. What does it mean to sin? What is a sin? A sin is any thought. A sin is any word. A sin is any action. A sin is any motivation that is displeasing to God. Whether you think so or not, you are a sinner, and so am I. And I want you to know that the sin condition is epidemic. This sin condition is epidemic. First of all, it's universal. Everyone has it. From the newborn to the elderly and everyone in between. Irrespective of ethnicity or nationality, everyone has sin. Now, sin is succinctly defined for us in the Ten Commandments. And when you read the Ten Commandments, you will read over that and you'll find that you've broken at least one of them. At least one. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Billy Graham. You've broken at least one of the Ten Commandments. And the Bible says this. If you're guilty of one, you're guilty of all. Even the best person you know has broken at least one of the Ten Commandments. That's why the Bible can say there is none righteous. Nope, not one. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. You see, there is no such thing theologically as a good person. Innocence is an impossible human condition. We are sinners by nature and we're sinners by choice. We inherit Adam's sin nature by birth. Adam was our federal representative in the Garden of Eden. And Adam's sin has catastrophically affected us all. But not only do we inherit Adam's sin nature by birth, we mimic Adam's sin nature by choice. We all willingly and consciously choose to sin. We all consciously reject God to do our own thing. And so this sin epidemic, it's universal. Secondly, it's congenital. Everyone is born with it. Psalm 51.5, King David is writing a psalm of repentance. And he talks about how he even got here in the first place. And in verse 5, he says, In sin did my mother conceive me. From the very moment of his conception, he realized he's a sinner. Everyone's born with it. Again, uh, we have inherited it from our father, Adam. Fathers provide the biological delivery system for sin. The sin epidemic is universal. It's congenital. It is general, encompassing the entire person, internally affecting how and what we think and say, externally affecting what we do. And finally and sadly, the sin epidemic is terminal. Sin is a devastating disease. 
Sin results in death in every instance, no exceptions. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Physical death puts people in a grave for a while. Spiritual death puts people in hell forever. And there is nothing that we can do ourselves to reverse it. There is this sin epidemic. It is universal. It's congenital. It's general. It's terminal. And we are helpless in and of ourselves to do anything about it. But there is a cure available through the great physician, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins. Jesus was buried for your sins. And the third day, Jesus rose again from the dead. And if you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you believe that He died, was buried, and rose again from the dead for you, you will be forgiven. You will be saved. You will be given eternal life. You will be healed from this epidemic known as sin. But anything else you try, anything else that seems like it might be a good idea, It has already failed. We all need Jesus and Jesus alone. So as important as we fathers are, we must not forget what we are. We're just sinners saved by grace. Our families may celebrate us. Our our church may give us gifts and, you know, waffles. And thank you, ladies, for doing all that. It was great. Uh... And we may really feel like we're really something special. And we are important. But we must not forget what we are. Just sinners saved by grace. And as a result, we should be humbled by the privilege and responsibilities that God has given us. That he would allow us to be fathers in this life. And so we see father as provider. We see father as sinner as thirdly and finally, I want us to see father as teacher. Father as teacher. Jesus used earthly fathers to teach about our heavenly father. Again, in this little story here, the child went to his father, even as we are to go to God our father. The father provided for his child, even as God our father provides for his children. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, earthly fathers give us our first glimpse of our heavenly father. We fathers give children their first frame of reference. And so as a child is growing up in the home, he learns that the male character, that's the father, right? He learns that. And so then he's raised in home and he knows what a father is. And then he goes to church and he hears about this heavenly father. He's like, oh, I see. I make the connection. I have a daddy at home. Now I have a daddy in heaven. Makes sense. A good earthly father makes our heavenly father look good. But the other side of that coin is this. A poor earthly father makes our heavenly father look bad. Now, I didn't say it makes God bad. I'm just saying it makes him look bad. Because when children make this connection, if they got a really bad father at home, and then they come to church and find out, wow, they have a heavenly father, like, I don't want one. In fact, somebody very close to me was not raised uh, as a believer and uh, we, we, we got together later in life and uh, started going to church and so on. And everything was fine about God and the Bible until this idea of a heavenly father came up. 
This person had a very poor earthly father, one of these fathers that leaves when the family's young and never comes back and that kind of thing, never sends any money. You've heard the story over and over and over. And so everything was fine until it came to light that there was this heavenly father. And this person told me, I'm not interested. I had an earthly father that was bad enough. I certainly don't want another one of them that's even more powerful looking down on me. It was a real struggle. But what a privilege God gives us fathers that we we give our children their first frame of reference to what our heavenly father is. And so a good earthly father makes our heavenly father look good, but the opposite is true. And as fathers, we must realize the impact we have on our children. A recent survey shows that 24 million children are living without their fathers in America. And there are consequences as a result of this. These children, the study found, that are two to three times more likely to be poor, use drugs, have educational problems, have health problems, have emotional problems, engage in criminal behavior, and experience child abuse. Now, I'm not saying this is all dad's fault for missing. I mean, who knows? He may have even died or something, you know. But the statistics show that these children are two to three times more likely to engage in these very negative behaviors. And the connection is, there's no dad in the home. You see, dads, we teach our children how to be good fathers to their children. We teach our children how to be good husbands to their wives. We teach our children how to be good citizens to their country. We teach our children how to be good employees to their companies. And most importantly, we teach our children how to be good Christians. How do you be a good Christian? Well, by trusting God in every circumstance, worshiping God at every opportunity, and seeking God continually. I mentioned Matthew 6.33 where Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Actually, when this is spoken in Greek, what Jesus said was, Keep asking. It's not just a one-time thing. Seek the Lord, you know, one time. Go to church uh, once a year. Go to church once in your lifetime. Or read the Bible once, then put it down. He says, you keep seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And so we teach our children how to be good Christians by trusting God in every circumstance, worshiping God at every opportunity, and seeking God continually. Keep asking. Keep seeking. How do we do that? Number one, by praying regularly. By praying regularly. You need to find a time. You need to find a place where you can pray regularly. The Apostle Paul says this in Colossians 4.2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Not only praying regularly, but reading his word daily. The psalmist in Psalm 119 and verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. And thirdly, serving God faithfully. This is how we teach our children to be good Christians. As they see us seeking God continually, praying regularly, reading the word daily, serving faithfully. But to teach these things to our children, we must be available to our children. Notice in the story here, the son asks and the father is there to hear and respond. The son is not just in some empty room and he just says, you know, I want some bread and fish. No, he goes to his dad who is there and his dad can hear him and respond and supply. 
it is critical that fathers spend time with our children. They need our advice. They need our support. They need our example. Boys need to learn how to be godly men from us. And that's more than just them seeing you in church on Sunday. That is a godly activity. That is not being a godly man. Because they not only learn at church, they learn at home. They learn when we're at the store. They learn when we're driving down the road. They learn when we're on the telephone. It's a 24-7 thing. Our kids are always learning from us. Our boys need to learn how to be godly men from us. And our girls need to see how a godly man treats his wife and how a godly man treats his his children. Dads, I want to ask you something very seriously. Some of you, it's too late. And for me, one week from today, it'll be too late. I'm marrying off my last child. But dads, listen to this. Do you want your daughter to marry somebody like you? Do you want your daughter to marry somebody like you? You know, they say girls marry somebody just like their father. If this is true, it's no wonder their mothers cry at their weddings. <laughs> See, early service didn't get that. This, this is a more sophisticated crowd. But seriously, do you want your daughter to marry somebody like you, Dad? Because your children will become what you have taught them to be. Are you comfortable with that? If they're going to turn out just like you, Dad, are you comfortable with that? If you are, God bless you. But if you're not, ask Christ to help you change your ways. And ask Christ to preserve your children from your bad example so far. For you see, fatherhood is easy to achieve. It's easy to achieve. But it requires hard work to succeed. Just about anybody can become a father. That's easy. But to be successful, that takes work. So I want to wish all of you, and our fathers in particular, of whom I'm one, a happy Father's Day. And I hope we've all learned from this passage here, we've seen father as provider. Fathers and mothers, yes, you take care of the physical and the emotional necessities. But fathers, spiritual necessities, that's on you. But mom, if he won't do it, thank you. And God bless you for doing what he has refused to do. He'll answer to God for that. And secondly, we looked at father as sinner. Ain't no, ain't no perfect person out there. Jesus Christ was the only person who was perfect, and the Bible says he became sin for us. You're a sinner. You're going to mess up. You're not the perfect dad. Neither am I. But we have a perfect Savior who can make up for all the places where we lack. And finally, we looked at Father as teacher. Jesus used what we do, dads, our role. He used that to teach about our Heavenly Father. And we are teachers to our children. Be careful what you're teaching your children. You say, well, I don't even talk to my kids. I don't even go near them. You're teaching them something with that. Be careful what you teach your children. And above all, may they learn from you how to be a godly man 
who loves his wife, who loves his children, but more than that, who loves his Savior with his whole heart. Be careful what you teach them and make sure you teach them the truth about having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So if you're here today, Dad and Mom and anybody else, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, this is where it all begins. If you want to be a good dad who can meet the spiritual needs of your children, you need to have your spiritual needs met first. So you're invited to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Believe that he died on the cross for your sins, was buried for your sins, and rose again the third day. And having received him, commit to live your life, every moment of your life for him. Being the provider, being the teacher, being the father that God would have you to be. Will you be perfect? No. Will you make mistakes? Yes. But is God gracious? Always. Receive him as your savior and serve him as your king. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. We thank you for fathers. And Father, there may be some fathers in this room who need to be saved right here, right now. And there are certainly other fathers like myself who are not perfect fathers. Give us your grace and direction. Make us better fathers, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.